Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. Richard Lane here on Friday, December the 11th. This week we're going to hear from Dr. Stephen Luby, who is the subject of a profile in this week's issue of the Lancet, dated December the 12th to the 18th, in relation to his work in diarrheal research in Bangladesh. Just before that, some other highlights to give you from the issue. The lead editorial focuses on how to reduce prescribing errors, following a recent report in the UK about this troubling problem. Two important research articles to point out. One looking at the right combination of antithrombotics for people after heart attack. And another, which was online first last week, detailing six-year follow-up results of a vaccine for the human papillomavirus. And we continue in the print issue detailing the climate change series that was launched online a couple of weeks ago. But let's now hear from my colleague Tony Kirby interviewing Dr. Stephen Luby. Dr. Luby was seconded from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and is a leading expert on water and diarrheal research, where he now works at the International Center for Diarrheal Research in Bangladesh. Dr. Luby is also the recent recipient of an international award for water research by the University of Oklahoma in the United States. What percentage of the population in Pakistan or Bangladesh countries or similar countries have access to clean drinking water? I think it's a really good question because the way that the Millennium Development Goals track this is looking at whether people are connected to a water supply. Those numbers, you know, might be 60, 70 percent. But the problem with those numbers are is that they do not assess the quality of the water. And that is, does the water have sewage contamination, does it have chemical contamination? And if you go by that standard, I would be willing to, to guess off the top of my head that I mean, you're less than 20% of people in South Asia have water available to them that would meet WHO optimal criteria for drinking water. And what kind of health problems, you know, obviously contaminated drinking water, it's obvious that it's going to cause health problems, but what range of you know, adverse health outcomes does low-quality drinking water lead to? The single biggest problem is diarrhea. And diarrhea causes an estimated 1.3, 1.4 million deaths among children under the age of five per year. I mean, it's over 4,000 children per day dying of diarrhea. So it's an enormous problem, and contaminated water is an important contributor to this problem. The other issue is that when we think about the 10 million children who die every year under the age of five years, these children are children who face multiple insults. They're children who, are, um, highly, who tend to be malnourished, who tend to have lots of other infections, um, and each insult um, sets these children back more. Each insult um, worsens their nutritional status, worsens their cognitive development. So one of the problems with diarrhea and one of the problems with contaminated water is that both of them are, are, are heavily affecting children who are most vulnerable. If we change tack slightly, regarding the prize you've just received, the International Water Prize from the University of Oklahoma, what did this award mean to you and all those people who've worked with you over the years? It's a terrific honor to have, to have one's work affirmed, but uh, as your question implies, none of this work was done by myself. Scientific work is intensely social. I had outstanding teams in... Pakistan, in Guatemala. I have got an outstanding team here in Bangladesh. To me, 
the the award of the prize is terrific because it um, points attention that says this is an area that is that is socially valuable, that is valuable to work for, to work on. And I really see this as um, affirmation of a lot of the hard work that this really outstanding team of local researchers have done. Obviously, you're well known in this in the field of water. Do you sometimes feel that there aren't enough voices in that field? Where do you think water, sanitation and hygiene should be in the public health agenda? And what attention do you think you know, G8 nations and large donors give to it? I think that when we consider the burden of disease that comes from water, it makes sense to give it more attention than it historically holds. Though I really don't like to get in um, arguments about whether one sector in public health needs more attention than the other. The truth is that the impoverished um, populations have lots of needs, and I think it's important to recognize those for the larger global society, for the G8, as we think about how to allocate resources and how to go forward. I think a particularly important part of the water issue, however, is that this is not just a public health issue affecting poor people in poor countries. The problem of water supply and the problems of unsafe water are really global problems. We've got major problems because of aquifer depletion. We have major problems because of population growth. We have a worsening situation because of global warming. So the problems of water supply and the problems of water quality really are the problems of all of humanity. And as serious as the situation is now, we really risk the situation getting substantially worse. Therefore, I think it makes sense for us to embrace this problem holistically with a, an understanding of the particular burden that the poorest are playing and work to come up with better solutions. Even in high-income countries, there's been you know, a certain amount of media coverage recently on decaying structure in the, in the sorry, decaying yeah. infrastructure. And so, we, uh, as you say, high-income countries are, are not immune to these problems and people are facing, obviously, yeah. they're, they're not facing the same disease problems, but they're facing massive increases in costs, etc., uh, uh, and, and that kind of thing. Both problems with, with infrastructure and, I mean, even our developed cities, our old cities, and how do we address some of these problems, and the problem of drawing out water from aquifers that is not recharged. So what are we going to do in a few decades as these run dry? So some of those same issues that really are live on a somewhat different degree in developed countries do bear relevance to the global concern. And I think it's one of the places that developed countries can help is applying some of the research understanding and building collaborative expertise to try to tackle some of these issues that are live in both places. Many thanks to Tony Kirby and Stephen Luby, and do look out for the profile linked to that interview in this week's issue. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. See you next time.